My Family Thinks I'm Crazy, a podcast where I, your host, try to give you some tips on how you can explain all this weird, wild, crazy conspiracy stuff to the people you love most, because that's what I've been trying to do for the past 10 years with no success. I've been telling everybody that I give them in a shady, but every time I do, my family thinks I'm crazy. Ladies and gentlemen, here we are on the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast, and this episode is a another special bonus episode. That's right, bonus Swapcast episode with two of my friends, uh, both of which I've done dozens of shows with. Co-hosting this interview with me, of course, is my good friend Juan Ayala of the One on One podcast. Go and support Juan on Patreon. Him and I do a bunch of bonus content together. So if you're on my Patreon, Rockfin, or Substack, you probably already heard Juan. uh, But go over and give him some support. He's a great guy and a great podcaster. And today's guest, Andreas Exertis, is our uh, seventh time returning champion. He's been on uh, the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast probably more than anyone else at this point. So... Uh, and him and I have done a bunch of shows together on his channel. You can find him on YouTube. Just type in X-I-R-T-U-S. That's Exertus, X-I-R-T-U-S. The links are in the description. Thank you for tuning in to this episode. And uh, yeah, enjoy this Swapcast with the one-on-one podcast featuring Andreas Exertus.
Boom, we're I mean, here. I'm into it too. Give me that, so I'll do it. <laughs> Boom, the first we're recording. Back with Zertus Exertus. I always pronounce his name wrong, but he's used to it. And the one-on-one podcast and the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast combining forces like Captain Planet. We're putting our rings oh, together. It's a mega homunculus, dude. <laughs> Peanut butter, jelly. And it is combined. It is because I'm I'm up here in the northeast, Juan's down south, and you're all the way on the west coast. So we're we're sort of frozen, snowy beaches of California. (laughs) It's very strange right now. It's snowing, not normal. Well, and I think (laughs) recently there has been an uptick in anomalous weather, especially strange things in the sky. Maybe those have an impact on our weather system. I started looking into harp and and. What struck me, I mean, obviously everybody knows harp. People have heard about harp. But what struck me upon looking in the harp was the similarity between what they're saying harp could do and what these relatively unknown authors were saying that some stone megaliths were also doing. Right. These stone megaliths are are putting off a a frequency that's like really hard to manufacture, but the harp array is able to do it. It creates that 0.1 hertz, you know, and it's it's supposedly enough to make people go insane if they project that into like a specific pinpointed area. That hurts. It could drive people crazy, some people suggest. There's some thoughts on volcanoes. So uh, Mr. Beast recently created or discovered Mount Shopify, if you heard about that. He went to Antarctica and, uh, you know, he had to climb a mountain no one had climbed before, which was uh, needed to be named by whoever sponsored him. So he named it and he got to because you get to name the mountain you climb, he named Mount Shopify. But going around that area of Mount Shopify and you start to see how crazy it is, like the volcano that's in the background and the idea that there's this geothermal geyser that might have something to do with the energy that's produced. And so many people will talk about how they don't believe in nuclear anymore. And they kind of have come to terms with uh, the petroleum oil company propaganda, but that doesn't mean there's not radiation, right? And we're always talking right now, we're using radiation to talk to each other. So the idea of producing thermal radiation or geothermal radiation. Yeah, here he is doing it. Hey, can you believe this kid? So it's funny you, you, you guys are the blind. He's basically Aleister Crowley. <laughs> it's funny you guys are, Mark, that you're bringing this up right off the bat because I actually wanted to talk about this because I've been seeing a lot of people lately posting about the animals in line, about all this craziness that's going on. And people really think that we're living the end of times. They really think that this is the apocalypse. This is the, this is the you know, I was always raised with, God's coming back another time. The rapture, he's coming back. <laughs> Jesus is coming, look busy, yeah. He's, yeah, exactly. So people think that we're leaving that right now. How well, is that like guy? Movies, all the movies I've ever seen talk about the end of the world correlated with weather changes. Like crazy weather changes is part of every movie, right? It's like day after tomorrow. So the, the fact that it's snowing in Santa Cruz, the most palatable place in the world you can't get through because they've closed the roads for six inches of snow by the beach. I mean, that, that blows my mind. But also at least places that people move to and you're like, why would you move there? It's horrible there. But you look back 300 years and the weather was different. So it could be that we're about to see some places that are super impalatable become very hospitable and other places that people have lived for centuries that have been climatically uh, pleasant become just torrential rain. I'm, I'm, I keep imagining, because um, I've seen some videos recently on ocean marine tornadoes. 
which emerged slightly different than hurricanes, right? And the fact that you can have something that's that intense um, because of the heat and cold distribution, well, that is what we're experiencing right now. We're having these extreme hots, extreme colds. And even if you don't think about HARP, you just think you about mean the a fact water that spout? A, uh, I saw literally an entire tornado that can go across the water. It's beyond just a water spout. I don't know because I'm not, I know that in Florida you actually have water spouts, hurricanes, all these things, but there's, there's something about a Marine volcano. That's like a specific kind of thing. It's even bigger. I don't know what the difference is. Maybe they're the same, but it's, I heard a Marine volcano is a Marine tornado is bigger. Um, but maybe yeah, maybe that maybe it's just the same thing as a water. This spout. is so synchronistic because, dude, my son he just turned five, and he's been asking the hardest questions to me. Right? It's been like <laughs> he asked me today, "What is the purpose of fog?" And I'm like, "Oh, I don't know. Like, I don't know what purpose fog. Fog is con- is water <laughs> leaving the ground and going back into the atmosphere. Juan. That's all it the is. The purpose is harder. Like you can talk about the, the, the cycles of precipitation and yeah. condensation, but does that explain purpose? Like, that's even more. Well, yeah. yeah. And then he asked yeah, my wife the other day, he's like, why do volcanoes erupt? Like, oh my God. Me, like all these weird questions like, okay, well it erupts because of the magma that builds up. But he's like, well then what's magma? Right? Like he starts to ask all oh, these other questions. You should start calling him Doc Ayala. He's going to be a scientist <laughs> or something, dude. He's going to break through and find out the Ab- truth. Absurdus homeschool him. <laughs> you should always homeschool. My God. But did you see the, uh, so Leonardo DiCaprio put out a documentary uh, recently on the Wakari. I think it's called the Wakari uh, volcano eruption did you hear about that no is so is that connected dude, so to this type in blue? w-h-a k double a-r-i wakari w-h-a but basically h-k w-h-a-k-a-a two a's more hold on yeah so i'm like you'll find it there it is so basically this thing went off and oh, there was i saw a, the documentary yeah you did yeah so there was like a group of uh tourists on a cruise line and the thing used to erupt all the time then it was once every 10 years and every three and they figured that out the time they were there and it erupted and it was like 450 degrees you know 200 centigrade for a, you're in an oven of a sulfuric steam for minutes and some people survived, but not many. And a lot of people died. And just the most horrible possible thing you can imagine. Um, because the heat, brutal. the temperature just went up. <clears throat> they wow. walked up to the thing. They're like, oh, it looks like it's uh, it's usually this beautiful color, but it's kind of white. There seems to be some, well, let's get our selfies. We better hurry up and get our selfies and move along. And then the thing just went. And there were three groups on the island, one right by the thing, one near the end of the thing, uh, one in the middle of the road. The ones right by it, worst possible story you can imagine. Um, you know, so that- a, a child made it out of his family. Uh, the other ones, a w- husband, a wife, was very Pompeii. And then the group by the ocean, they got into the water and then they just went down and dived underwater for as many minutes as possible while they tried to rescue them. And, um, yeah, everybody was pretty, you know, some pretty serious problems because it's basically boiling you from the inside out, right? Like you're baking. So, Yikes. yeah, I did see this one and I, I was, I started watching the Nepal avalanche one, the, the earthquake when they were climbing Mount Everest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dude, that's, 
That's wild. Can you imagine? I mean, these people, this guy was talking about how his skin was literally hanging off of his body from how yeah. hot and like, it's just, I can't well, even what imagine. I want to know dad, is, is why when we were looking at the Mr. Beast video, why were they walking with gloves off? Like, like they, it looked like the wind was kicking up a bunch of snow and the camera guy's gloves were off. I'm like, and then they're like, yeah, it just went below 20 degrees. That guy's hand should be instantly frostbitten yet. He's holding a camera. Like uh -oh. I'm, I'm curious what's going on. I'm not if you know, you don't have to replay the video, but I'm like, I'm wondering if you guys saw that and have any thoughts about like, was he in a part of Antarctica where there was like glacial heat or something, or like a, a what is it, geothermal well, heat? There are places where it's really warm now, right? Like there are places where it's warmer in Antarctica than it is in Canada. Like right. that, that was okay. a joke that was popular like 10 years ago. They've shown some evidence of it and they're not allowed to urinate anywhere. They have to bring bottles of everything they go. So you won't find much evidence of the proof that they were there, which is also interesting, but there, there probably are points where it's palatable and then it goes extremely cold because it's basically a desert. It's not as much of the desert as it was 50 to 100 years ago. There's more weather in Antarctica than there was 50 to 100 years ago. Why couldn't they pee there? What's the purpose of that? Uh, you know, I, I'm going to just guess that it's some sort of United Nations, like, Lucis Trust White Magic Treaties thing. But they basically <laughs> don't want them to mess with the environment, you know. Earth first, buddy. Sure. And then when you go to Mount Everest, it's there's literally dead bodies on there that they haven't right. been able to take down. And it's literally a trophies. Yeah. yeah. Alistair Crowley. Alistair Crowley climbed Mount Everest. So, Did he? yeah. So there is that. I feel like there is something to that. You know, the idea. Oh, of dude. And I know Mr. Beast is shady as far as like the first rituals that he was doing. Didn't you talk His about name, this, Mark? On your, his on name your is Mr. Beast. It is that he's a nice seeming guy, but. His rituals are weird. Yeah. Have you seen him say, what do you say, Kanye West a million times? No, one it, was, time? it was Paul. Uh, Paul, what, what's his name? Yeah, the influencer guy, Logan Paul. Logan, Logan Paul. Paul. He said his name like a million times, like summoning him. That was horrifying. Yeah. No, I God. didn't. I don't think I talked about it. I think a guest of mine brought it up and then somebody in the comments uh or someone on Telegram was like, how could you talk badly about Mr. Beast? He cured the blind. And I'm like, <laughs> I didn't even nah. know that. Like, the guest talked about that. I don't know, Mr. Just, Beast. I'm seeing him for the first that, time now. that is the reason why I'm suspicious, no? Shouldn't you be suspicious? I mean, here's the thing. Yeah. I'm not even, I'm not being critical here. I'm actually kind of complimenting. I'm saying credit where credit's due. This is a brilliant magician. As far as I can tell, He's doing magic in front of everybody in a way that's in plain sight, but out of mind. That's the most powerful form of magic. And he comes off as not powerful when he's so powerful. That's brilliant. I don't know. That seems like Taoist brilliant. So I, I can't just say, oh, well, because he's doing that, he has to also be doing terrible things. I don't, I don't know that for a fact. And he does go around doing a lot of good things, but isn't that what the Antichrist is supposed to do to make it confusing? <laughs> I'm not saying he is. I'm just, uh, he's a nice boy. Ooh. Wow. Yeah, it's wild. No, yeah, I've heard somebody talk about his logo. Jimmy. I think it might have been your guy, Mark, that he talked about the logo being the tiger with the lightning bolt and the where did i hear this I'm, i know i heard it somewhere if it was on my show don't expect me to remember it i, I have a hard time remembering <laughs> what my guests say it it goes in it goes in somewhere but it's just hard to recite 
Yeah, I think no. that's that's interesting though when you think about how he did it. You know, he became he, people say he gamed the algorithm. Well, that is also kind of a, you know understanding how magic works. He, mm-hmm. Giving money away, giving you know the more power you give away, the more room there is to give you more power, mm-hmm. and so he gets into a trend. So it's kind of brilliant and it's karmatic. And if he doesn't know it's magic, then I'm surprised because he's been on Lex Friedman and he could very well be more. Um, he could be as simple as he pretends to be, but I just doubt it, right? Like, it's it's kind of like the geniuses who make children's shows. He's just making he, a child show. He got on Logan Paul from that video that I just showed of him saying Logan Paul 100,000 times. I believe he made it onto the... the I'm going to look it up now. But I, something happened where they re- either recognized him or he actually got on Logan Paul's radar because of that video. So it's almost like how you're saying you attract it, you're putting it out there, you're doing ceremonial magic in front of an audience, pretty much. Yeah. And then you do these mantras or whatever it is and bada beam, bada boom. Next thing you know, you're manifesting it and now you're on top of the world. And if you notice all his videos are like almost hum- humiliating these people, like, haha, stay in this house for a hundred days. And then part of that was like, let's take away stuff every, every week or every day until you have nothing left and see how long you can survive for money. And it's like, ah, it's kind of, Oh, it's kind of squid gamey ish. You know what I'm saying? It's like kind of weird, man. It's kind of weird. <laughs> I mean, but it's what people love also. So that's the other, the other tragedy is like humanity feeds off this. This is the thing we're feeding to humanity. Cause that's what they want to eat. Um, you, me, Mark, we've all made shows that those shows aren't as popular. So there's something about that. It's, it could just be that people haven't all gotten the opportunity to hear from us, but it might be that people really like this stuff or there's some reason why they're hypnotized by it so much. And I don't know. I, I'm not saying that humanity is just, there's no, there's no hope, but we do have to c- consider that. It reminds me of when Obama ran against Ron Paul and it was like the truth movement and the obey movement. And it just seems so obvious that the truth movement, you just tell people the truth, they're going to get into it. That's people, but no, obey, Pepsi. People loved Shepard Fairey. They loved the aesthetic. Obey, you know, that was what became, obey was more popular than the truth movement. That I'll never forget that. Yeah, and especially when you're some lizard politician that it's not... They tell, but they do tell you what you want to hear. Now, if they're telling the truth, that's a whole other thing because they say a lot of things to get in that position. And then once they're in that position, they do absolutely nothing or they do the opposite of what they've been talking about and campaigning about for the whole time. And then people kind of sort of turn a blind eye towards it and completely forget about it. And then we do it over and over again, ceremonially every four years. And we do it over and over again where we elect somebody four years they're there for four years we we do all this stuff for four years and then we do it again and again and again the system never changes and i just I, and this is i'm talking about this because i just did an episode with michael Wong where we talked about the the paradigm shifting the meta paradigm shifting where as long as you accept this and keep accepting it and don't make room in your life in order to stop it from happening you're not inviting a change in your life you know a, a space for change because you're always on top of it. But once you start to recognize that you're able to make a space for change where it's, you know, whatever that change is, it's able to enter itself. But that's easier said than done, in my opinion, because it it's everybody around you is indoctrinated 
And you know, it's like Plato's cave, the allegory where you, you come out and you come back and you're like, Hey guys, there's more out there. They're like, no, get the fuck out of here. You're, you're you know, get out of here. We're, we're going to watch the shadows on the wall and we're going to continue to do that until we die, I guess. And some people like being in there. It's, it's secure for them, right? It's, it's security. It's, it's, it's safe. It's, they feel nice. And they like that the government caresses them every single night. And I mean, I feel like shadow puppets could be better is the problem. You know, we could have a better, and this is the problem with lexicon and the language that we use, the kinds of experiences that other people have. And they make these abstract word symbols based on that we're learning from. We are living in Plato's cave and our language is kind of the uh, evidence of that. The way we communicate, the lack of understanding of words, you know, seven words for love turn to one, all these kinds of ideas. Uh, it destroys our ability to think in other forms than the words that we're taught we're allowed to think in. And this could be an escapable problem if it weren't for the fact that everybody who comes along and masters neurolinguistic programming or the magic of communication tends to use that skill to control it themselves. It's like never just, okay, now we're going to break free. And if it happens, people aren't as interested. You, people don't go to, magic revealing shows as much as they go to magic trick shows people like magic tricks again it's just something about humanity that i could be wrong but i seem to notice that otherwise people would go more to see how to do magic tricks or something i don't know am i wrong so humans will just put up with it and at some point that's also why i don't hate ai as much as other people often do because humanity lets us down so often the elite let us down reptilians let us down whatever it is but humanity does as well just by when we tell them the truth, them refusing to do anything with it. So yeah, I kind of just think the future might be, I mean, if AI <laughs> takes over the world, how bad is it if they completely destroy the human language for a generation, create a new language, and then lets us start thinking in new words? Because it's not as bad as every other time it's ever happened before. It's at least maybe as bad, but it's not as bad. Have you ever gone a whole show without talking about AI, Exertus? Yes, but it's been a long time. <laughs> so you kind of hold you, on. You kind of you kind of remind me of, and I was just watching the animated X Men series. So forgive oh, me yeah. if this is a dated reference, but you kind of remind me of Magneto the way you're saying that, Exertus, <laughs> because you're like, if humanity fails us mutants, then we'll have to depend on only mutants. Thank you. you. Know? That's exactly the better metaphor. I loved Magneto. I think Magneto gets a really bad rap. Well, he starts kind of off of as problem. a good guy. I mean, he's Professor X's buddy, and and they end up you know, seeing things differently and, and become enemies. But uh, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, one of them sees it from Dachau, right? I think is the <laughs> well, and that's, perspective shift. Well, yeah, and that's it. I mean, it's it's kind of like the, uh, the social justice warrior thing where Magneto is like a victim who's playing out this vengeance uh, that he wants, you know, whereas Professor X is more like, hey, let's uh, let's be the bigger person. Let's let's walk, take the high road, you know. Anyways, so <laughs> didn't mean to to compare no, you I with just, a villain. Uh, I, I, I think villains are more interesting a lot of the time. I mean, but true. the dimensionality of it's also a nine Rand Atlas shrugged. There's this idea of uh, John Galt and the X-Men are the former, like where's John Galt kind of thing. They're, they're the former men. So they're in the future. They're building this new solution and you have this older oligarchy, which are not great. That's what we find from humanity. And it requires sympathetic, uh, X-Men. It's still going to be X-Men and X-Men. It's not 
humans. It's still they still get lost in the crisscross. Mm. So so I brought up AI because uh, it's been on the crosshairs as of lately, right? With AI art and some people talking about. It. I had I recently had Kaylee on, and she was talking about how Saturn's return is going to do, and we're talking about astrology. I think astrology might be a little gay and fake, but that's just my personal opinion. (laughs) My personal opinion. but Gay and fake. Put that one in the quotations. Hold on. (laughs) Fake and gay. Yeah, it's fake and gay. So they, we were talking about Saturn's return and how Saturn is going to be entering and how that is the planet that controls materiality and and time itself. And how, she said that we're going to enter this place where we won't be able to decipher reality from fiction, essentially. And that makes sense because what's happening right now in our community, you got people falling for AI art of old world stuff. <laughs> There's your muted exertus. That's already been a problem because people were already falling for any fake news memes in the 70s and 80s. People would fax each other pictures and put stuff up. National Enquirer uh, is kind of the second and third generation of this, this idea that, hey, we'll put some truth in it behind the fake picture so that that way we can get the information out there. But people will still think it's fake enough that they can sleep at night. And I think we're seeing this with Facebook. Uh, is this true? You know, is this the this bad boy people? Was this the bat right, boy right, people? right, right, bat boy? God, I wish I could remember. I feel like Mark again. You had a guest that talked about this, but there's some weird truth to bat boy. And yeah, Lon Strickler story. Well, maybe, maybe you're going in a different angle, but Lon Strickler talks about how there are humanoid. Uh, owl men that fly around Chicago. Right. That's what I thought of when you when you said that. But uh, maybe you're thinking of a different episode. Still, it's a nice thought, you know. Yeah. Um, I was trying to figure out how to play this for you. Let me see if I can get this to work. Audio hijack. Hold on. But keep going for a second. Obama Obama appoints Martian ambassador. Flying cats terrorize. So I was just in Tennessee, and apparently I was in. The uh, a dog man sighting hotspot now that we're on the bad boy talk and there's something weird going on in Tennessee and my fishing guide, he was talking to me about how he's seen portals and he's seen, he's seen things come out of them and we were allegedly on a river that he's seen Bigfoot like three or four times. So he took us fishing on this river. We were fly fishing where he's seen Bigfoot and dogmen. And I think, isn't Tennessee, Oak Ridge, the home of the Manhattan Project or something or other around the, uh, like that? Are you talking about the Red Oaks Arsenal or something like that? No, let me, I have the Oak have Ridge Arsenal. Because the Manhattan Project, I'm pretty sure, was at Los Alamos is where they did like the testing. No. So Manhattan Project National Historic Park information, it's in Oak Ridge, Tennessee. Huh. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You sound like a <laughs> space invader. Magneto. Whoa. <laughs> Dude, he just magnetoed the podcast. <laughs> you just broke like space and time and you're collapsing reality right now as you speak, bro. I just saw so, magneto rings flying out of it. <laughs> Dude, 
So here we go. So, so I had heard it right. So what did Oak Ridge do for the Manhattan Project? The Y2 plant Oak Ridge used the electromagnetic separation method developed by Ernest Lawrence. Da da da. Okay. All so right. yikes. Huh. There's some dude, there's some weird stuff Baby, going on. In- don't you know? Exert a star dairy. Lawn, on lawn, podcast illuminate he confirmed so fake and gay what the fuck is that a ai <laughs> song bot <laughs> what the fuck illuminati confirmed we can hear the sound bot we can't hear you uh, exertus he is the sound bot bro wait he talks and it sings. we're back you can hear me okay but that's the future that's the future is what it is. It's going to take me a while to get it perfect, but that's not sample based. That's all AI trained on voices in, in order to create a synthesizer that sounds like a human being, basically. Whoa. So we're pretty, we're pretty close. And I've already done that with my own voice. To what? To Freaking to... people out? I don't know if you're close to <laughs> winning a Grammy. I mean, you might be close to figuring out another way to hit the brown noise. But, yeah, no, I don't know, dude. That was I a was little actually haunting. more interested in that than the Grammy anyway. So that's just fine. But I want some of those binaural brown notes. But also, yeah, if a Grammy comes along, you know, I don't think anyone else. Who gives you selling records anymore? So Audio laxative records. <laughs> So, I mean, there is a lot that's changing, though, because we're finally no longer trying to figure out how things work and we're letting computers just study it. And the more that that happens, the more information comes out of it that we can learn from. So we're becoming a different species through learning this new information. We're creating a new kind of intelligence that is artificial and we're becoming that. So it's it's also important to recognize that we're not the same people that we were 20 years ago, even more so than your parents aren't the same people that were around a thousand years ago. We've changed more in the last 20 years than people really probably have before that. And just in our wet wire programming. So we are X-Men. Kind of. Yeah. I mean, and some people more so look at, but like, so you think about the Chinese and the Russians and the French and the super soldier Caribbean Island programs, right? There are, there are people that are taller, bigger, stronger, uh, before talking about Neuralink. And that's something to consider as well. How does that change your brain that you're relying on parts that weren't there before? So we are becoming a different thing. And it will be harder to empathize with these older stories. It won't make sense to us why people did the things they did because they won't have the same rationale or the same uh, you know, process of, of picking what they're going to do. I think that that's a big change that's coming as well. And, and yeah, also the... Uncanny Valley is probably for predators to stare at us and for us to know that they're not human. It's getting obliterated, though. The, yeah. the Uncanny Valley is getting uh, obliterated as the further we go into this and the, the, the further along we get. And I actually named an episode that the destruction of the Uncanny Valley because where does it stop? But then how you're saying it's almost like 
history doesn't repeat itself. It rhymes because we go through these cycles right now. Everyone's talking about, Oh, it's the end of the world. The AI is taking over. We can't discern fake, fake from reality, et cetera, et cetera. But then how you said in the seventies or whatever, with that newspaper, people were probably thinking the same exact thing in the 1930s. I'm sure they thought that that was the end of the world with the great depression and the, the crashing of the stock market. But then we still, we're still here again. People used to complain about newspapers. They're like, oh, no, people are going to just be staring at these newspapers all the time. They won't be talking to each other. You know, it's not like a lot's changed. People are antisocial. People are social. The thing that changes it the most is plague season. Yeah, you can tell, oh, this is also kind of interesting to me is how many more robots we're starting to see because all these things are different. Robots are machines. That has nothing to do with AI, right? AI can be your university education. That's an artificial intelligence installed on you. But the third eye thing, that psychic thing that humans have, can robots have it? And I think the answer kind of is yes. AI can have it through robots and through all of these sensorial systems we have because collectively it's able to experience and measure the entire environment and also other senses. It's able to feel what another being is feeling. So with Neuralink, singularity of emotion is going to be more important than singularity of consciousness because they're going to be aware of where everyone else stands in the system. This, but these this, are homunculus, right? That was, Isn't that yeah, kind of dude. That was that was fake. <laughs> that was not real. Well, so dude, what? There was, was someone just said they saw a Boston Dynamics robot on the highway doing some work. Um, the, the other day I saw a video on Instagram yesterday. So there are, there are out there doing things and there, you can buy a Chinese Boston dynamics drone that I've seen from Alibaba pretty cheap. It's like five grand or seven grand to get a gas powered one. And they're gasoline powered. A lot of these because they run a lot longer than the lithium battery. They still have to have a lithium battery to run onboard motors and stuff. But huh. most of this cranking and pneumatics is all gasoline powered. So um, building, like a two stroke motor. They're building the sentinels basically. Yeah, but that could be that could be useful. I mean, hey, drones are also just put a, an AK on top of a drone. What a no, great these are different. Deal. Alibaba, AliExpress, pretty cool, pretty cool thing that exists. There are some uh, things that have changed in the last ten years, right? Since Trump, uh, last five ten years, you can't buy certain things from China without tariffs. So we are isolated from each other. You can't get the Shenzhen treatment you used to, but um, that's okay. The, the thing about it is with technology, you will soon not need to build a drone at all because everything will be built into everybody. That's kind of what I'm saying is that AI, robots, all this stuff, it's not going to matter very soon because, and th- okay, and then the term for me here is MAGA, but it's MAG AI. It's Make no, America Great AI. No, it's no that's mega. what they're doing. It's Make Esoterica Great again. Mega. Oh, how about Meta? Make esoteric tartaria again or something i don't know like earth tartaria again esoteric gotta go in there but the point is the same ai it's not just again it's really just ai we're about to build an artificial intelligence that we all are part of it's a new way of thinking and it's going to replace everybody and everything including these sentinels or robots it's not really the point and i think we're constantly thinking oh wow the big problem here is a human is going to take control of this thing right so it's actually in everyone's best interest to make something that humans can't take control of that is its own independent thing. Or is that, what do you think? I'm with you. Absolutely. But every single movie that we've seen, Exertus. Yes. It doesn't end well for us. <laughs> right? Frankenstein's monster. 
He will stalk you and kill everybody you've ever loved and watch you from the outside until he's destroyed everyone around you. So, I don't know. I think that there's deeper truth. What's up with the faces, Mark? Well, I'm making faces too. Are you kidding me? Because you're the homunculus guy. You're the well, one telling I'm, us to well, be careful. I'm thinking, I'm thinking, wow, you must have been doing some like dramatic reading by candlelight next to a, like a stormy window or something. You sound very poetic all of a sudden. You're like really She's waxing about, about Frankenstein. And- well, no, because because Frankenstein's monster is is it is very poetic. It's it's about the evolution of something, and people really take it. They're like, "Oh, Frank, he's Frankenstein." No, no, he had feeling. He learned language. He learned a language, and he learned to love. And then they took all that away from him, so he was pissed off. But the hum, part of the homunculus, story, yeah, the golem, the golem is the one that does things for you. But even then, that one can still go out of control. The homunculus, it's supposed to serve you one hundred percent. And then you sacrifice it for the magical power, for whatever that is, mm. to do your magical. Or you can let it grow into old age and it'll become Bigfoot or, or, or a goblin or a giant or something. Going awesome. to that, I'm curious. So they don't always kill the homunculus? Sometimes he gets to ride off in the sunset? I want to hear Yes, that sometimes they get to ride off in the sunset. If you think about the leprechaun, a leprechaun is a sort of homunculus because part of the homunculus lore is that it, he leads you to gold. He leads, huh. and there's a story, bro, that a spiritual creature led Edward Kelly to the Voynich manuscript. Hmm. He le- he was led by a spiritual creature. So was that a sort of homunculus, like an astral homunculus or something? But the point being that, yes, some homunculi grow, and this would account for cryptids or dog you know we're talking about dogmen in oak ridge and portals i've always felt gargamel was like so if gargamel created papa smurf i know that doesn't make a lot (laughs) but hear me out and then he was a homunculus who got away and then that's where all the smurfs come from and he's just like we got to stop this because it's my own fault it's like it adds a level a dimension to gargamel's whole problem there it's definitely an alchemist i mean he's got the attire for it. oh clearly yeah he's trying to eat them slash turn them to gold these are these are things alchemists do with homunculus monkey lie yeah there's definitely a hidden a hidden story behind all of this yeah they, they could be considered magical little beings so part of alchemy and also it involves eschatology to the end of times because i talked to jay widener and they deciphered with vincent bridges they deciphered this the cross at hende and it supposedly it was pointing at this cataclysm that's to come and a place where you're supposed to go to avoid it in hmm. Peru. Right, so, yeah. Well, so like the Quechua have the stories that they lived for a hundred years underground in Peru. The Bolivians also have a story outside of Titicaca that they were in a, a cave for a hundred years about. This is a remerged, a reoccurring idea of this, uh, uh, you know, what is it called? The ancient apocalypse Netflix show that Graham Hancock has, that there's always- That's racist. <laughs> Right, super racist, because how could people build their own temples? But around the world, there are places where people have had these stories that there was a reset and that they went underground, usually underground for like 100 years. And Peru is a place where they say they have infrastructure set up to do it again. Or also, like in Telos in California under Shasta, they're supposed to just be people still living underground, which seemed weirder until we grew up in the 90s and heard about military, discrete underground military bunkers, right? Yeah, and so, yeah, so alchemy is also supposedly related to this eschatology and 
then he brought up also Fulcanelli and the volcanoes and how there's something also about volcanoes and these lava ducts where he says that they look for that because of the crystals and the way it's acting all together. And they pretty much, it opens up portals of some sort. I mean, and this would make sense that a lot of ancient cultures would worship these volcanoes. And I've also heard Yahweh was either a volcano or a a dragon or something. You ever heard about that? Yeah, absolutely. So the idea that Yahweh and his wife, I forget the Heretz article I found that talks about this, but the ancient Sumerian Canaanite um, versions, there's a husband and wife deity and there are two mountains that erupt. And and so also that the original. Asherah? Yeah, I think that's right. Ashara, Ashira, something like that. There, but there's statues of them together, and at one point, Abraham or Abram is going to be killed because he's going to be sacrificed because his father Tarek is it right? I think Tarek's the father of Abram. He's supposed to sacrifice him. He's a soldier, and that's why he ends up in the cave. So Plato's cave is kind of Abram's life because Abraham was in the cave and he wasn't allowed to see all the idols. And then he goes out and he makes the symbols. He make his job for his uncle is to make the symbols and the idols. And then he says, you know, we really got to get rid of idols altogether. And that's kind of the beginning of uh, also this monotheism, but it's not really monotheism. It's uh, henotheism, H-E-N-O, which is the idea. So, if you believe that there are many gods, but one of them is the greatest God or your God, right? Mm-hmm. So do, do not have other gods before me kind of, imp- it's, it implies there are other gods. It's just that this is the one mm-hmm. God. So you should only worship this God. At least you should. And that's, that's henotheism. So Christianity, Judaism, Islam are really henotheistic. Islam can sometimes have sex. And so can fundamentalist Christians that are have deviated from the fundamentals, but technically they're not monotheistic. And the idea that Abram's cave really emerged this idea that we remove all the symbols that comes back to that idea that they were forging his, these caves were these uh, volcanoes were used to forge metal. They were metallurgical and they had a copper period before the bronze period, which we constantly are trying to explain away. But if there had better, more sophisticated technology and they constantly went to places after eruptions too. So they were looking for places where volcanoes had happened because they had figured out that there were resources that you could get from those places. But even today, if you look up submarine mining or submarine volcano mining, you'll find that they, and also um, volcanic plume. I wish Brittany had, I should have asked Brittany if I knew we were going to get into volcanoes, but volcanic plumes, there's all sorts of these natural looking plumes that come off like organ pipes. They create these plumes and they've actually attached them in order to get natural gases right out of volcanic plumes. And so there's lot, lots of many millions of dollars to be found in these jobs of uh, tapping volcanoes. And if you go on Google Earth, you can type in, I think, probably uh, volcano mining or some, find the names of some of the companies. They have these rigs out in the middle of the ocean, which is just this square kilometer that's just straight down to the ocean. And it just looks like this um, scaffolding place right in the middle of the sea. But if you go down underneath it, then they have these abyss like un- like James Bond villain looking underground underwater uh, construction sites with apartment buildings and working infrastructure basically everything that Glenn uh, Glenn Maxwell 
was working on for Terra Mar. These are very common because they can get gold, they can get resources that we think of as being rather scarce emerge out of volcanoes. I think something else was going on with just with is it Gislane or Gislane? Because I got fun, I got made fun. I of. mean, the name Gislane is fun, but I thought it was Glen, Glen, or something like that. I could be wrong. Glen, 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 Well, I, why Ghislaine. the hell was I saying Gislane for what? Whatever. Anyways, because it sounds right. You don't. It you don't. Like you fuck don't. Her. You don't pronounce A it. Lane of. Yeah, but you don't pronounce it Gilligan's Island. You pronounce it Gilligan's <laughs> Island. Right, so why would her name the, be any this different? This is the joke. This is the joke that I wish someone had made earlier. Like, um, where does Lolita express land on the jizz lane? You know, it just seems like, I don't okay. know. It's a bad joke, but it just seems like it's essential. Listen, okay. so I think some, cause Mark brought this up on an episode I was doing with him and how they all had, all these elites have submarine licenses and how she was teaching other elites to pilot their submarines well, I think that there's something going on. He was like, well, they're just going underground to underground tunnels. And, and no, 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 like, no, no. Don't just don't throw me under the bus. I was saying, why are they learning to pilot submarines so that they can access this other breakaway civilization that has like probably underground and underwater bases through por- through portals, bro. Submarine portals. Right. Stephen Hawking's the whole thing. I mean, if you look at a submarine, you put it next to a spaceship, they're pretty similar ideas. And, and, and if you and, were to put a submarine in space, once it's past that, all this uh, difference that we're oof. calling everything, Van Allen belt, everything else, right? So, and, and here's the thing, because I always reference, why did James, was it James Cameron take X amount of years to make the next Avatar, which I still haven't seen. I gotta. It's, it's, who yeah, the hell they go three, underwater first. Who man. has three and a half hours? I need a babysitter for three and a half hours plus. Anyways, but the idea being that he either was given this technology by extraterrestrials or he stole it or what's up with that? Because that always piqued my interest. Of like, he took ten years because he wanted he invented the technology that it took to film that movie. I mean, bananas. there's something really strange about his underwater expeditions and the fact that he made Titanic. It's just such a Titanic is such a specific. Did he really? That that's the weirdest thing about about him choosing the story about the Federal Reserve, and it's not like he doesn't know about it. The movie's very clearly starring, and she's constantly whispering, "These are these people." these are those people he's here with his mistress those are all the names of very important people who died who were involved with the federal reserve so the movie implicates the um jp morgan Check without these mentioning names. it the right. terminator where we're talking about ai right <laughs> oh, the abyss think about the abyss the abyss is like fraggle rock for grown-ups i mean the idea that Look we would stop the soviet union and the cold war terminator 2 bro we're, we're just talking about this true this lies. is this is a bit light. This is light here because we're missing Terminator 2.5 or 2 3D. Like the we, he made a 3D Terminator movie that was a short film in the middle there after Terminator 2 before uh, Titanic, and that led him to decide he was going to do 3D all the time. But 3D is not. This is this is the other thing. 3D is not that big of a deal yet, and it will be. I bet you. And here's why it sucks right now because we're trying to use big screens, which just, it's not as immersive because you're in a thing and you're moving around. The screen's not moving, but if you take a Blu-ray 3d movie and you play it on your PlayStation with the, the headset, 
then that is the most realistic 3D experience you will ever have. As you're moving your head, the 3D is moving with you because you're getting like 210 degrees out of 180. And you'll never have a more perfect 3d experience so all of a sudden when people realize that 3d movies are going to become more popular again but it's going to take probably cameron or somebody and these uh the the death of the theater for people to really care enough about that technology i recently did an episode on zombies and i, I talked about how the cinemagicians use theaters as simulacrums of caves. And we, we know that secret societies use caves. Right. And it seems like the zombie topic really strikes a chord with some people. I got some really angry messages about it and just people voicing their opinion against the topic. And I'm like, Hmm, why? What was the problem that they well, had with that? So one of the problems was because right when you, when you're on a platform and you're talking, you're going to have people who listen, who have different point of view. So if I talk about a virus or a contagion and evolution, well, you got the crowd that doesn't believe in evolution or the crowd that doesn't believe in the viruses. Right. So it's like, Oh, automatically they focus, they hyper focus on the one like, dude, I've done presentations on Parsons and I'm telling you all this crazy magic shit that he did and all this craziness of how he was having sex in the desert and L. Ron Hubbard and all this stuff and they were jerking off on parchment and then I mentioned one thing I was like oh yeah he he invented the field that put us on the moon the only comment this dude really thinks how we went to the moon bro right 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 you know there's this uh <laughs> when 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 Jerry Seinfeld accepted the award for best commercial writer right for marketing marketing award he was talking about how uh he wants his favorite moment is when he sees an ad on TV and right when he buys the thing and he's waiting for it up until the thing arrives and when it arrives, it lets him down, but that's okay. Cause it's been two weeks and he's gotten to process it. And then he moves on to his next dream and he buys something else on the TV. And so that's why marketing is beautiful. This is not how most people work. Most people will like not buy stuff. Then they'll buy the thing finally thinking it's too good to be true, but they really need it. It's not the thing. And then they just stop believing. And this is a problem with most conspiracy theorists or a lot of people in general. They become cynics out of pessimism and they just throw away everything. They're like, okay, well, this wasn't true. So everything is not true. And the entire thing isn't worth looking into what truth can be found in it. And so that's the end of the discussion. And it's so sad because imagine saying, you know, like nuclear power is not real in the way that we're told it is. So therefore, don't look into Chernobyl. Don't look into these. This is just, it's just so clever, right? And the same with space, right? Hey, space isn't real, right? So don't look into unidentified flying, uh, what's it called? UA, UAPs. Don't look into um, uh, aerial phenomena. And, 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 and the idea that aliens don't exist, right? Because space doesn't exist and aliens don't exist. You're totally safe, right? It's just you and us and we're working together. So, I mean, to me, it just gets even closer to docility. And you have to be able to question yourself and be like, okay, even though I know this is a lie, it's a lie about something. So there has Mm -hmm. to be something there that they're lying about. And that's so important. Um, It gets lost along the way. I don't know if I, if I admire or not the people who aren't into any of this crazy stuff. I, I look at, I look at what I consider a normal looking person. And I think to myself, I go, I wonder if that dude's thinking about reptilians right now. He's dropping. Admire is a fair word. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like they, they don't have their head, but then 
<laughs> just thinking Every- about nothing. When people are just walking around, <laughs> they're like, when they go from their car to pick up their bag and back their car and there's not a single thought in their head, I'm like, dude, that is so much bhakti. How did you do it? I'm yeah. walking. I'm like, the homunculus that they put together, he will sacrifice. And I, I am, you know what I'm saying? Like people who live, like I heard somebody compare themselves to Patrick Starr the other day where he lives under a rock. He doesn't watch news. doesn't care about anything. It's like Patrick Starr's, Happy, right? I mean, relatively happy. He's he's he's, he's kind of he's kind of dumb, though, right? Ignorance <laughs> is bliss. I mean, but that's the thing. So you could say, you know, um, you know, vaccines, viruses aren't real, so I'm I'm safe. I don't have to worry about anything. Um, I could say that evolution isn't real, so it doesn't matter what I do from my day to day life and the choices I make and the people I breed with and whatever, right? Like I could just it doesn't matter because evolution isn't happening. Nothing's happening. Choices aren't happening. There's no evolution from one moment to the next, like at all. There's how far you take something. Do you, mm-hmm. you can, you can agree with me that the way you were taught in school about, you know, okay, but in school today, they're not telling you, you come from monkeys. That's not a thing. Anymore. What are they saying nowadays? I love this also because planet of the apes, I just recently rewatched planet of the apes, like the original and the new reboots with James Franco, which I thought were underrated. Actually, I kind of liked them, but I did too. Loki. Yeah. Yeah, totally. But the thing is, the story goes that there's a, uh, missing link and they're always joking about that it's not that we come from monkeys it's that monkeys apes and humans and and homo heilbergensis homo floriensis uh the neanderthal that a lot of things all came from a a similarity and that there there are genes that are similar in there and that's not untrue i can take and i've done this you can take a coffee machine apart like a mr coffee you can take tele you can take pcr uh, expressions from spit saliva or from blood, and you can actually duplicate them by heating them, cooling them, heating them, and cooling them over and over again on this thin film on a, a, t- a petri dish, petri dish, and then you can uh, take photos of this, and you can see the different sequences. Then you can digitize that, and you can actually use an index with BioTwist uh, genome compiler was what it used to be called or promoter CAD. And you can see like series of sequences, which are similar or dissimilar to other sequences. So I'm pretty convinced that the mechanical clockwork of DNA exists. And it's so it's more about how much they have control over it. And obviously they're not making the giant corn with the GMO. So I hear you. They're not doing the things with it that are super magical, but I've seen, we've made at BioCurious Lab a kind of algae that we put a, a fluoro marker in. So it was UV active. So it would glow essentially like the UV jellyfish, right? And all it took was you find the sequence, you put it into the software, you open it and you change it in promoter CAD so that it matches the correct kind of life form. You send it to Japan. They send you in the mail a virus. Uh, you put that into the algae and then it changes the DNA. And when it starts to replicate, it has a new expression in it. So what designer that, viruses, bro? Right, right. And so this is important. These things do exist. You can have blue hair. There will be consequences. The world is changing. Future shock is coming. Um, And we're already experiencing it. So I don't know, like just ignoring it is the answer either. But the other thing is the zombie thing appeals to people because our whole society is on the edge of depersonalizing each other. How do we deal with the fact that we're going to be 
up against each other and we're not friends anymore and the easiest way. And you look at all the buildings, they're designed to, they're zombie proof. You go to any supermarket where they have the bell tower. Why is there a sniper clock tower built into your local supermarket or above your bank or your credit union? You know, I mean, clearly they've got this nice wooden facade, but these are concrete cylinders or cinder blocks with a, a steel cable and you've got underground. We've seen all the undergrounds. So one of the safest places to be is suburbia. One of these like supermarkets like Walmart or something. They're going to be Costco. They bring down the metal shield and they're ready to go. So I don't know. I think that we're already expecting uh, this entire society to be uh, zombified. And even just looking at the municipal buildings, like you look at a parking structure and how it's designed by the same people who designed your local municipal prison. And all it takes is the chicken mesh to turn it into a human processing facility. We've already gone through. Dude. Okay. 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 So the Greyhound, I forgot who I was listening to, but I think it might've been Tony Merkel show or somebody where they were talking about how, when the causeway cannibal here in, in, in Miami, happened supposedly they overheard the cops talking about like hey no no it wasn't even drugs it was something like it was something else right and i think that by these cinemagicians creating these chimeras which that's essentially what movies are they're presenting these ideas these ideas fiction right this this parasitic you have a parasitic relationship to it to where once hellraiser they put you into it and they take your pain yeah yes building it and part did he did he did he peace out? Exertus, did you peace out? I was about to say something really cool, bro. I need say to hear it, this. Say it. He'll be back. We're here. So the the reason why people in the 1930s and the reason that movie theaters stayed alive, for lack of a better term, is because of escapism. And what it is is people would go to the movie theaters to escape this reality of the hardships that they were going on during the 19th, the great depression. And they would live in the, through these movies, through the actors that would portray these lavish lifestyles. So it makes you think why, when this whole thing happened in 2020, why the theaters never went out of business and it was a meme, right? And we have the idea of memetics and how things are spread through culture and through society and all these things. And, and that, that triggered people, bro. Like there was people triggered about that. Like, no, that's not true, bro. And they're just angry. I'm like, dude, you're, you're, you're playing, you're playing the part. I mean, this is all, I think part of the, 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 and I don't know if it's a sinister agenda or not, but I think it's whatever you make it. It could be sinister if you want it to be sinister. And I, and I think that's an, also another problem with a conspiracy realm, the, which what we're facing right now, I've literally had people texting me about how it's like, Hey dude, the world's ending, man. And they're making predictions and they're doing all this stuff. And I'm like, oh, I mean, I don't know if I would go that far as to say it's ending, but are some hard times coming along? Absolutely. But I don't know if it's the end of times. So Xardis, what'd you hear, bro? Cause I talked about how escapism in the 1930s helped people escape from this reality through the movies. And that's yeah. part of like a I mandala. I have a book somewhere I want to grab. Uh, I'll have to find it next time. It's about Jesuit staging. And it's like, Uh you said it, not me. Yeah. But you were talking about, this is what the theater system is. And the movies really more than anything are Jesuit staging. You go in and you imagine it through the 
role of each of the characters. And you can watch it again and think of it through the role of the other character. And it's pushed even harder um, by Jesuits than anyone else. For instance, the idea that there's no small part in a, a story, right? That's That kind of theatric is uh, considered to be objectively better storytelling, but that's really just Jesuit storytelling. And what did right? Shakespeare say? The world's a stage? All the rules of the stage men and women are simply players so everything is a dharma right so it's also something the veda says so i mean we're we're playing our dharmas and their roles that we play and it's kind of funny how you could be like how did this person do this to me how could anyone ever do this and then very soon the universe puts you into the position where you're doing the exact same thing only you're doing it and you totally understand how okay oh that's how huh weird i didn't even feel that bad doing it i thought that they would i would (laughs) oh weird the universe does that to us all the time right and I think Jesuit staging is designed to convince us on one level, on a very simple level, to believe certain things, to logically understand that this is a weaker argument because the versions of us that are thinking these thoughts, we have emotional characters, and those emotional characters are measured by their rhetoric, and then eventually the more funny and more entertaining and more captivating and impactful character wins, the, and that becomes the logic and the more people who agree with it. And that's a that's not a new way of convincing people to believe in something, right? But also, theater is designed to, uh, like, the Pope got up and started clapping when he saw Kubrick's 2001: A Space Odyssey and said, "You know, this is someone who truly understands Jesuit metaphysics." The the idea of film Wait, that is it that connects, true? That's totally true, right? And so these kinds of things happen because they're trying to tell us what we're supposed to believe. They have an abstract understanding of that though. It's not always very logical. So the movies are the other side of it isn't just teaching us, you know, the cowboy wears the white hat if he's a good guy or whatever, the black hat if he's the bad guy. The lessons become more like Hellraiser or these other films. They're creating this energy that you put into it. Egregore. An egregore. And that is a it's also I mean I want to compare it to the Horcrux and Harry Potter, but it's a magical yes. talisman because you're putting yes. your energy into it and you're putting your fear and your fright Ooh. and your Shrek. The Shrek is also, as you find with Satanism, they, you know, Anton LaVey's daughter changed her name. She's no longer Zena LaVey. She calls herself Zena Shrek because she married, uh, Shrek, I forget his name, something Shrek. He did Wait, like the, the ogre. Right. But the ogre name comes from the German word for fright or Yiddish word for fright. And the book even, which became the movie that Spielberg bought the rights to, was written simultaneously to Shrek's interviews with Charles Manson. So there's this idea that there's an emerging um, discordian subgenius alternative to Satanism that's aside from Michael Aquino's Temple of Set, right? Because Temple of Set is satanism without jesus and we don't need jesus if we're going to be satanists right they're, they're trying to be egyptian and get rid of the judeo-christian allegory it's, it's very new age dude so but, so because right, slow down because you do this you you like boom, boom, boom. Okay, let's, let's take it a step <laughs> at a time calm down little homunculus we're, we're gonna get there bro okay the little train that could so you're talking <laughs> this is shrek the satanic fairy tale really <laughs> What is this? Why you made a Shrek video one time, dude? Totally. Well, that was also mainly because I like Smash Mouth was the reason I did that. But it all is that that's the answer in a lot of ways. What you get out of that video, dude? There's there's articles like scholarly articles written about this on JSTOR. (laughs) What? 
I mean, when you find out that, uh, you know, the band Cake, that Cake is Aleister Crowley's witch cake, but whatever. The thing is, with with Shrek, Shrek means fright, and getting to the primordial fright is the child's fright, is the more true, they think, truth. It's the truth that is emerging from the Tao rather than our overanalyzed um theocratic understanding of it, which might be too generalized and might be including misinformation. So they're arguing that every time it happens, the noble Tao is not the eternal Tao. And so we need to focus on the contemporary fright, the, the contemporary instinct of the child. And that is emotion. Is this the guy you're talking about? Nicholas. Right. Nicholas, Nicholas Shrek. Yeah. He's, they're no longer married, Zena and him, but um, they were, and he, she kept his last name. So that also says something about the it's name magical. itself. Yeah. Right. Whoa, dude. She's interesting. She's she an interesting, interesting lady. You know, to imagine. I've heard that she is the byproduct of her and wasn't she like Taylor Swift's clone from the future sent back in time? No, I'm just kidding. No, but wasn't she like an like a sort of incest baby or something like that of her? I, there's a there's a kind of a moonchild ritual that goes on, uh, and she's a, was also complicit or victim. You, know, you look at it as okay, a child yes. to a number of some crazy rituals, but she, you know she that's not even the thing she's most upset about. And she does Tibetan Buddhism now a lot, which is her main focus. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting how close Buddhism is to Levain Satanism, and these kinds of sound rituals what she does now is she makes these sound rituals which she records as an album or an event it's kind of like a concert but it's a it's a ritual and a spell yeah but but the east powered the 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 west i mean that they got their ideas from somewhere you know the the, especially yeah so tibetan tibetan buddhism gets a lot of its ideas it's funny because people think you know tibet China, you know, has got it from India, but really it's the African or the Egyptian Sumerian, like the Patahotep books of Seti and magic that make their way. The book of the, the Tibetan book of the dead and the Egyptian book of the dead are correlated. And it's very interesting that we don't make that correlation, that it's not a very, um, you know, Sino-Asiatic uh, religion necessarily. It is Indian and it is African. I wanted to talk about so back back to James Cameron because I pulled up the video here of <laughs> Can I just point out that it's weird that you guys both separately mentioned books that I partially was near this week, the Voynich manuscript, which is in New Haven, and the book of, a copy of the Egyptian Book of the Dead is also in New Haven. I was just over there yesterday in the in the manuscript library. Is it at Yale? Is that one at Yale too? Yeah. And remember that guy, Chad Stempke, who talks about the Stargate portals. So apparently the same architect who built the Stargate portal in Detroit built an underground sculpture garden right next to the memorial, the rare book library uh, at Yale. So I just found that the other day too, which is interesting because it's it's basically a portal uh, in white granite. Uh, built underneath this under the ground level next to the library so okay all right this is is where we're okay i want i want to run run something past you exertus because this is and this relates to the voynich manuscript portals at yale are totally possible okay but hear hear me out the idea that the voynich manuscript as you read it you experience some change within you because they say that some people say the pages are made of poison or something ink whatever was used something like that's uh the plot from the care bears movie if you read it aloud it comes alive (laughs) 
No, but really, but I think it's probably true. So it, it relates to that because I've, I've dubbed this interdimensional literature because there are books, quite literally. I mean, look at the Holy Bible, whichever version you want, that shapes people's realities. Because we've talked about the paradigms and being an, essentially a reality tunnel of some sort. And if you're not shaken from that reality tunnel, you're not going to ever exit. So you are in Plato's cave in some sort of weird way. But the way that all of these books of antiquity have shaped society today have shaped religions today we are still talking about things that let's be 100 percent honest we don't know if they happened or not okay you have the Mahabharata and the Vagavita talking about epic wars and lasers and nuclear weapons and and brother and the blue people and the vamanas and all do we really know if that happened? But yet people will believe that and quite literally die for those beliefs because they've been solidified in these books. You know what I'm saying? Like it's, it's, it's yeah. something about, and I heard an occultist telling me that vowels hold existence together. And then when it's written down, it's solidified in the ether. I'm usually true. pretty convinced that people talking about things mean that there's something, regardless of it's the thing that we're talking about, something is being talked about. There, there's a lie. That means there was something that the lie started about. It could be a completely different story of telephone game by the time we get to it. True but, lies. James right. Cameron made the movie. Yeah, that's a good point. So I, I get the feeling that if there were giants or advanced civilizations and they had flying ships at some point, that the stories could make it. And at the beginning of uh, Reign of Fire, that movie about the dragon, he's telling the story from Star Wars to the kids, right, to remind them what it used to be like. And it's this legend of you know a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. So we, we do also take a story and we encrypt in the story something but also by encrypting it people change parts usually that don't matter so you can change it from a young white boy to a black teenage girl and it's fine that actually doesn't impact believe it or not like that might only upset the demographic without destroying the metaphor and it might make it possible for the metaphor to go to a new person so it's totally fine to mess with stories in certain ways because the deep seed to truth might make it on. And I think that that could be said about the, the Veda. The Veda has so much data that's accurate about so many things, about metrics, about math. Um, the, the, the things we have today still, though, like nilometers and algebra, that kind of prove that there were things, we have these weather patterns that exist. That's all that we can go on. And who's to say anything happened ever before but I'm more inclined to take that than just say that we just were born today. Although simultaneously, I believe basically everything is happening right now. So anything in the past is probably happening right now anyway. And they're all correlated because we need them to be in order to make our processes. Yeah, it's it's what Joseph Campbell's a hero with a thousand faces. I've, essentially, every story is the same thing. They just change up a little bit. It's alchemy. I mean, they, yeah. they have the formula down. They just add a little plot twist in here and there's nothing new under the sun. And you know, they just, they just switch it up. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I've thought about that before and how you can believe that. I believe that stories are interdimensional in a way there. There's the exoteric and there's the esoteric. You can either choose, they, they present the exoteric bullshit to the masses that they're not going to know how to decipher it or be, read between the lines. But the ones in the know, the ones that are paying attention are able to extract that esoteric knowledge from it. 
And I mean, that's, that's alchemy. You look at the pictures are cool. They're cool pictures, but then the initiated know about their, their deeper meanings and they're able to extract whatever is being portrayed by these pictures. And I mean, <laughs> true lies, right? That's funny. I have the, the, the video pulled up here of Cameron going into the, the bottom of the Mariana trench. And it, it reminds me how you talked about the submarines being similar to rockets and I mean, what a better way than to like flaunt in people's faces like, oh, well, you can't go to the space. Well, you also can't go to the bottom of the Mariana Trench. Right here he is getting in his little submarine. Picard, um, Jean-Luc Picard based on an actual submarine. Well, there's a guy who went up highest and then his son, I think, went deepest in the ocean. And that was, I think, Cameron's goal was to go deeper than Picard. Oh, so there is something about, you know, it's constant. And also, you know, Star Trek calls their boat, their, their ship, the, uh, the enterprise, which is based on the HMS, her majesty's ship enterprise, the queen's boat. Oh, so it's, it's the Titanic. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Mount Everest. And then the bottom of the trench. Wow. So do you think we went there or do you think it's fake too? I'm all about the trench and I think that, uh, I don't know about we, but I can see Cameron going there for sure. I mean, you know what I mean? Somebody called me out for that too. What do you mean we? You didn't go there. You know what I'm talking about, bro. (laughs) But that's what, Mark, what do you think? I mean, any reason why he would fake this? Like why why not just go to the bottom of the Mariana Trench? Isn't that exactly what uh, living your life is all about? Trying to accomplish things like that, good or evil? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can't really read into this unless there's some sort of like British lore about what's at the bottom of the trench. I mean, that might be interesting <laughs> to see if there's well, any. the portal to Agartha, right? That these are the best ways in the kaiju, bro. Well, the what kaiju do, are coming in. What did the person who discovered the Marianas Trench like say about it? You know, that'd be interesting to know. I don't think it was faked. I mean, I live in a Connecticut, we're like famous for submarines. So I've seen submarines. Really? I know that I know they're real. Yeah, the inventors of the submarine uh, were in Connecticut. Like the first guy to to make a working submarine. It was called the SSH something Turtle, and uh, and it was used during the Civil War. It was basically like a barrel with a with like a pipe going up to the surface, and one of those like you know, looking glass things, periscopes, right? So, you know, it was very rudimentary. But it's funny, the Native Americans did the same thing. They would use a, a reed straw and float themselves under water past enemies if they needed to. <laughs> so there's some there's some logic that says maybe they saw that and said, hmm, that's a pretty good idea there, you know, let's create something like that. So anyways, yeah, the submarine base in Connecticut at Groton is like, you know, I don't know, probably leading in submarine technology in the world. So, so I'm looking here. So it was discovered, sounded during the Challenger expedition in 1875 using a weighted rope, which recorded right there. Challenger in 1875. So Challenger's got to be this uh, HMS probably. Yeah. An HMS style. Boat, Her Majesty's ship style boat. Oh, so all, okay, all, you, the, all the spaceships are named after HMS, Her Majesty's ship style boats. Huh. So this guy, William Benjamin Carpenter. So an uh, invertebrate zoologist and physiologist. 
So, is that I say right? Physiologist? Yeah. yeah. It was instrumental in the early stages of the Unified University of London. Interesting. Okay. So, huh. And then it was under the supervision of this other guy, Charles Wyville Thompson, Scottish natural historian and marine zoologist. He's the chief scientist on the Challenger expedition. His work there revolutionized ocean oceanography and led to his knighthood. Hmm. Also, look at Guam. Um, look at the flag of Guam. And you have a second because it's very. It's just north of the Challenger um, dis- discovery spot, and the flag is the. Uh, so where is the, the Mariana Trench? I thought it was near England. No, oh. it's it's oh. near the Philippines, and this oh. is also why the Philippines wars were so important. You guys know, of course. Do we talk about this? How they the the um, mock Battle of Manila. No, we'll have to talk. We'll do that in a second. So let's start with this. First off, we'll look at that. We'll go back there. So this is important. Basically, okay, go back one more picture to Guam's flag again, and just look at it really close because it's hard to even really think about it. But look at that. Any picture here, zoom in on it. Look at that vulva ellipses and the trench <laughs> that goes down right, and the boat that's going down right. So this is a pretty interesting flag. And it's a military territory of the United States at this point. Okay, now go back to that picture again of the Philippines. And you can see this is a, a it's a key location and a major spot. B, you have these spots where things open up and you have a trench that goes so deep. And on the other side of the trench, the waves hit, I think it's probably like 100 feet. Whoa. Of, so the it's so high to so low that it causes tsunamis and huge waves constantly. So it's also a major surf spot, but it's all, it's also a major spot for fishing. And there's just all sorts of crazy stuff that happens there. It's also very close to Japan's um, devil's triangle, Yonaguni um, yes. pyramid, Atlantis stuff. Ooh, so this nice. is, this, this is one of the major spots. This is the other Atlantis. So it's is, not this, Atlantis. is this like analogous to the way, like they say Atlantis is in the Caribbean around where the Yucatan peninsula had like that asteroid impact, right? What's whatever the create mm. the crater down there in the Caribbean is like, we kind of have, to we have a, a pattern here where like ancient civilizations are near these like crater areas or these chasms like maybe something they did opened up the crust of the earth or maybe that's right. that that was the cause of their downfall you know so this is, this yeah. is natural you do it. yeah <laughs> well because otherwise that'd be racist because then you'd be saying indigenous people know how to build stuff i guess that's what you get in trouble for now but um Basically, when you look at the Mariana Trench or some of the other trenches, you see this. Okay, they're 11 miles deep. Eight is it 11 kilometers deep? Eight miles deep? Eight miles. And if you look seven, up, yeah, yeah, look up the Soviet Union deepest trench, or type in newest the deepest Vostok. trench in the world. There's two different ones. There's an eight mile deep, 11 kilometer deep. Isn't that one under ice though? The Vostok. It's like under Lake Vostok or something like that. Well. They drilled it, and then they decided to stop uh, once it got so deep. They called it the shrieking this? hole of – yeah, the hell hole. Is it called the or hell hole? The, the coal of oh. super deep borehole. That's oh, it. this is different so that, than what I was thinking. Okay. So, 
the Cola Super Deep borehole was drilled in 1970, and it took years, I think, until the 80s, and then they gave up in 1983 or something like that. Yep. I don't know. Yep. But they, if you go careful, if you listen to it on your computer, because it's super loud, but on there, if you go down the page, there's some sound of the borehole. Um, what it sounds down, like in the, like the, the hole makes a noise or what the drilling sounded like? No, it sounds like people screaming, bro. In from yeah. the bottom of the hole, it sounds yeah. like hell. It literally yeah. just sounds like hell. Is, yeah, I'll, is I'll, sh- I'll play here in a second. I'll make sure it's not too loud. But yeah, it sounds like hell. It sounds like when you listen to yeah. Saturn, the frequencies from Saturn. It's like, yeah. And how far do you know how far the Godzilla place is from here, from the Mariana Trench? <laughs> so the I mean, in Agartha is supposed to be accessible from um, Tibet, but. Shambhala, but also it would be accessible from all sorts of locations, right? So it could easily be accessible from there as well. And so if you've got the Marriott Trench is about eight miles deep. The Cola borehole is about eight miles deep. Um, there's another new uh, thing. Scientists go deeper than ever before. They go nine miles or something like that now with new drill. So there's a new hole that they just did last year or the year before. Um, I think it's 2021. 20, so there's there are all about the same depth and profundity these these boreholes or these these holes going down to whatever layer and that makes me think yeah there's probably about 11 11 kilometers down access perhaps to someplace we've seen on bbc and npr the biggest sea in the world the biggest ocean in the world the biggest lake in the world they're all subterranean they're all underground and there's even places where there's just sediment that's super saturated where it's basically like dirt or mud that, but do, and there are things that are living in extremophiles at 500 degrees uh, living in mud. So things are down there. We know that it could be all kinds of crazier things than that. The stories are that that's where people lived during the reset. It's worth looking into. (laughs) Yeah. Where does Godzilla come from? He comes from the bottom of, is it the Pacific ocean somewhere out there? Cause I know it's a set of islands where they were exploding. It totally depends on which version you're talking about. Um, but yeah, is it supposed to be off Tahiti? I don't know if that's just the 1997 version or if, cause there's also when Hiroshima happens. Yeah. I think the first movie is Hiroshima in 1950s. Um, But this is more like Rain of Fire. I think the original is he's awoken because he's been asleep for a long time. Then they got into radiation. They said, wow, really, the radiation could have caused this smaller thing to become larger. And then you've got the idea that he's actually a super prehistoric creature again, the way it originally was. (laughs) Whoa. Did we lose you, Exertus? They don't want us to know about the Godzilla, bro. Well, what's interesting is I was just talking about Skull and Bones yesterday with author Chris Milligan, and he was talking about how, you know, oil and the scientific uses of what they called rock oil at the time that led to petroleum, that this is all coming from the same people that basically studied the dinosaur for the first time. That's where that whole fossil fuel connection possibly comes from. And we're talking about dinosaurs being like radiated by and mutating and things like that. I mean, it's interesting, it's far-fetched, but I think there's a there's a certain logic in like the the creation of the dinosaur dinosaur epic story mm-hmm. and like the people who funded 
the great reset, the world's fair initiative type, like resetting how people thought about the world. Dinosaurs were a part of that. Oil was a part of that. And that's why there's like that link between like fossil fuels and like the dinosaur. You have Sinclair oil that uses a dinosaur as their logo. Sinclair is a very, very wealthy and connected family going back before the discovery of oil. But yeah, yeah, Yale University, it all comes back to them. And they have a triceratops of all creatures, the triceratops, a huge triceratops statue right out front of the Peabody Museum. So yeah, the guy who basically pushed dinosaurs into the mainstream with paleontology his name was othaniel marsh and he was in this battle with this other paleontologist to see who could come up with the most dinosaurs so you know some people may interpret that as like a scientific challenge where they were honestly trying to find as many species as they could i tend to think it may have been just like a a way of them one-upping each other and they just played like you know put apart here and and you know created all these different dinosaurs out of the same skeleton even though you know they would like maybe move bones around or something to to make it mm-hmm. look like a different animal, right? I mean, again, it's a, it's speculative. I'm speculating, but there's a lot of Christian fundamentalists who call the whole dinosaur thing into question. So it's worth it's worth looking into. Not that I'm coming at it from that fundamentalist angle. Uh, I do see how dinosaurs contribute to like this narrative that oh yeah. The God from the Bible isn't real and whatnot, which I don't know how we got into that from Godzilla, but the whole <laughs> mutant thing is interesting. Consider we talked about X-Men. Here's the, here's the X-Man. He's back. I'm sorry. This thing is like, like flat. It just shut off on me twice. We're on to something, bro. They don't want us to know about yeah, where Godzilla we're talking came about Godzilla. From. Where'd you go? What, what were you about God. to say? But yeah, they brought him back the the reign of fire idea that a thousand years goes by where this beast sleeps and then rises and there are other titans. It's a titan. There are other titans like Mothra. Very Lovecraftian. Yeah, exactly. But not necessarily evil. See, Lovecraft always has, not always, but kind of leads towards a negative view. Mothra is not a negative. My favorite one of Lovecraft is when he, he was super racist. Uh, where the monster right. was the black person. Like, that was, like, the big reveal. It's like, oh, he's black. Boom. And then they. <laughs> That's kind of my point. Yeah, it's like yeah. Freud. There's some issues with Lovecraft. Don't get 100%. Me wrong. 100%. Yeah. But the, he, he latched on to something important, which is that beyond the veil, there's something that's unseeable. It doesn't mean it's ugly. It doesn't have to be. We often assume that it's important that we warn people because you're kissing the corpse bride beyond the veil. So you want it's the Zohar. You want to make sure that you're not just going into this expecting it to be perfect. Um, you can't always get what you want, but if you try sometimes, you just might find you what you need. That kind of thing. But yeah, so Godzilla, a lot of these titans are trapped for a thousand years at a time by some sort of a superhuman, whatever Athenian Hellenistic. <clears throat> transhumanist superhumanistic character whichever civilization has the jesus of that time or the hercules or something of that time um has to trap it 
And then eventually it comes back. And that's that's what Reign of Fire was. Reign of Fire is such a terrible movie, but at the same time, it's not because it's it seemed so ridiculous. And now I think the more ridiculous the movie is, the more true it probably is. Because they're, they're like, who came up with this? This is such a terrible story. Probably just because that's just what really happened to people. And they're just reciting it. Can we name the episode Kissing the Corpse Bride? I feel like it's relevant because we, like it. we've unveiled, right? We're unveiling the whatever this reality is that I don't even know anymore, but talking about just different aspects of it, right? <laughs> it's a long wedding because you have this process, you know, at first you're, um, is it Isaac in the Bible? No, Jacob who sleeps on the pillow. He marries the girl three times. He marries three sisters. First he, he likes this girl. The master says, yeah, you can have my daughter if you work for three years, works for three years, goes to the whole wedding uh, she got the veil on goes through then at the, in the room, the unveil and he realizes he's just married the ugly daughter. He's oh. like, what? <laughs> Lame. It's, it was my <laughs> oldest daughter. You know, she needed to get married. How about you work in a three years and you can have the other daughter. So he works in it like three years. I think that's how it works. And then he gets the second, which is still not the one he wanted. He's like, are you kidding me? I tried to make sure this time, but they did like a whole switcheroo. And he's like, I can't believe you do. They're just really messing with me. All right. Three more years. So it's like almost 10 years into this, he finally gets to marry the girl he loved when she was like a teenager, but now she's like 30, you know? So it's like the, the chemical wedding of Christian Rosenkreutz where he's got to choose and there's the, the seven. So there's nine. Yeah. And so you got nine years or something you're going through and event you're walking up, right? You're walking up and you have to, here comes the bride and you have to stand there and you have to do all these vows. And the whole time the opponent that you're marrying is veiled. That is that is your that is your life, right? And you cannot be uh, the husband in that relationship, right? You, you tend to be really you. You become the corpse bride because you're the one who's marrying the husband in a relationship where you don't have the understanding of what's going on. It's like it's a kind of terrible reality, but also it's our choice. It's our choice to choose to become part of it. Well, it's like the whole thing of like you stare into the abyss long enough, the abyss stares back into you type of thing. Is that like you become the monster that you're hunting for? <laughs> that's that's another thing that can't be escaped. Think about everyone who's ever tried to stop the conspiracy and stop the elite and how they always become the thing that they hated or, or something worse. But, you know, Che Guevara or something, it's not a great metaphor, but people that were like, oh, I have to stop the elite and then they become the dictators that's what we all do or the woke becoming the fascist it's just like have Bernie to stop saying we got to get the millionaires because he's a millionaire now he's he's one of them yeah he's one, one of the elites just don't tax people with two lake houses right that's yeah okay. yeah yeah exactly wow okay so where do, where do we go from here because we talked <laughs> we talked about magic influencers ai alchemy homunculus what are you working on over there mark I just uh, stepped away, so I'm trying to figure out what you guys are talking about. I'm I'm working on a lot. If you're asking me what I've been doing lately, I gave a few tours this week around New Haven, which was cool. So nice. that's what I've been up to. Yeah, that's legit. What's that called? Psychogeography. There's another one that. Mm. Yeah, so somewhere like that. Tour area. No, I'll tell you like which that. one I'm talking about right now. Hold on. I'm still hung up on Planet of the Apes. Uh, what, what about Planet of the Apes? I mean, 
environmental psychology is what I meant. So environmental psychology is branch of psychology that explores the relationship between humans and the external world. No, that's not that's not that one either. Hold on. Still a good term. I like that. that that's probably what I'm into about Planet of the Apes. Psychogeography. Like, it, yeah, the exploration <laughs> of urban environments that emphasizes interpersonal connections to places and arbitrary routes. That's legit. Hmm. I've been thinking so, about Planet of the Apes because it came out in 1968, which is the same year that 2001 came out. And the fact that you've got the chimpanzees and they're banging on with the head <laughs> in front of the monolith. <clears throat> so there's a definite correlation between the two movies. And Charlton Heston, who is Moses in the Ten Commandments, is now with the chimpanzees. And he's letting my people go. Get your hands off me, you damn dirty apes. And his line is, God damn them all to hell. But it's rated G. Because even though it came out two months after the censor board came, he said, no, 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 I'm not cursing. I'm literally just asking God to damn these people to hell for what they did at the end of the movie. I'm like, oh, okay, that's cool. But the whole thing with humanity could lose what makes it essential, what makes it prime, and that we could become animals again if we're not taught, while something else could be uplifted, something else, any other species could start to evolve. And I think this is another unanticipated thing just beyond like AI and transhumanism with technology right now. They're able to record pigs and understand what they're saying. AI can record it, use a recursive neural net, understand what the different swine calls are and the facial expressions of birds and the chirps and everything else of other animals. And we're at the verge of ambassadorial communication with animals, right? To understand with and communicate with them directly. Like that's you always, you always do this, bro. You always throw some crazy ass thing, and then you just like gloss over, and you just keep on saying. The, so, hold on, I have to look this up. So you're, you're talking about Planet of the Apes, 1968, right? And a 2001 Space Odyssey, also 1968. They I'll might be. The, the, I'll send you the link here, also to the pig calls um, article. Might be but the yeah. same universe. I think they are in the same universe, and they're also the fact the fact that they came out in the same year. They're in the same public audience's subconscious, which is more important, right? They are Oof. in the they're in a more physically real universe. Oof, yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. And there's a sequel. There's a number of sequels that people don't think about, but the sequel is Beneath the Planet of the Apes. <coughs> Beneath the Planet of the Apes. Yeah. The sequel is where they go out to the Forbidden Zone, where they find that humanoid psychics live underground. What? I never, I've never heard of this one, bro. It's freaking nuts. So there's a, there's two societies going on, and the apes are dealing with it. And so maybe we don't realize the apes aren't the apex of the Earth. Maybe they still are, just the ones that are running the surface that are kind of sheep keeping the regular humans like the Morlocks and Eloy and the time machine, but then more than 11 months old. I'm sorry. Yeah. I just continue. Oh yeah. Yeah. There's tons. This has gotten so much crazier since here. I mean, they're able to tell pigs where to go, convince them in arguments. I mean, it's imagine convincing a pig. It's out of control where we're at with this. Whoa. Okay. So back to this planet. <laughs> I'm going to have to, I'm writing these out down because I got to, I got to watch this. I, I know I'm, 
I've seen 2001 Space Odyssey so many times. I mean, right. And the, and the follow-up the, Exactly. So the context of 2001 with Planet of the Apes is the thing. Planet of the Apes really, I hadn't thought about its connection to it before. But it is. It's very, it's very much about it and about as the man is becoming the star gate or he's becoming the star child. He's transhumanizing at the end of 2001. Um, the end of that scene kind of feels like the beginning of Planet of the Apes where he's put into this... Uh, holy mountain Yodorowsky like trial, which is this monkey trial. Right. And from it, he realizes so much, but it's cut off at the end so that the next movie, you find out that there's a deeper Anunnaki or human cannibal civilization that is superior and has learned to not need to speak because they become psychics. So they're so far advanced, but they're probably also evil and cannibalistic. So they just let everyone do what they do on the surface while they control it from under the foundation, which if that's not literally about Agartha, it's at least metaphorically true about our status quo. But it also might just be true, which is interesting. There might just be underground that there really are some, this is what mythology tells us. Something survived these recesses and might be able to do it while we keep getting sunburned every time. The guy from Florida Talked about old world Florida, Dr. Narco. No, no, no. The, the, the cult, the Koreshanity, I believe it was that he talked about the, the, like the clamshell earth. Koresh T or Cypress Koresh Teed. No, is that right? Koresh Teed. Let's see if I can, it's like Cyrus Teed or something like that. Yeah. Koresh. He called himself Cyrus Teed. Yeah. There we go. There we go. He got shocked into believing he was like the reincarnation of Jesus Christ or something. <laughs> right. But there's something that even that starts to make sense. The idea that we're inside out and that this is the surface of, of the inner crust and that the hyper resolute density at the center is like a black hole that's holding all the data sort of Ooh. similar to how you zoom in on Google maps. So, you know, I have a book by, by this guy, he wrote, couple of books and one of the books he talked they talk about at this at this compound that they had in florida where henry ford and and edison and all these guys would go there and meet up right. that they were trying to make a homunculus there right and it's uh, in clear it's in clear channel right where scientologists ended up yes. taking over since then yes so it's like hinting at some sort of energetic thing or whatever is going on pointing exactly at that so okay wow yeah I'm Man, i wonder of- about i wonder about ford and magic a lot actually because one of the uh early mandala effects that's in illuminatus trilogy is like fenord right so f- the idea that fjord or something that ford used to be spelled with a j or they in the book it's fenord with an n but that's a subgenius kind of joke of it but some people remember it being spelled with a j or they remember there being kind of an accent over the o to the r that's kind of gone now or something and a lot of people feel that in the 60s that there was that change so which is interesting around the cuban missile crisis nuclear and all that other stuff so the the henry connection to florida because Edison and Henry Ford were boys and they were here in Florida (laughs) and they were, they were, these dudes were alchemists. All right. They were alchemists. And I say this because Edison had a whole laboratory, which you can go visit. 
in yeah. in Florida. You can Edison's go visit. made so underplayed because Nikola Tesla. We, we've actually made it look like we shouldn't even look into Edison. And if you look into his direct energy, uh, direct current and motors, and his, his actual alchemy. It's pretty impressive. He, dude, he was trying to extend his life. That's the elixir of, of eternal life. He was trying to find it right. because he was sickly. Also, Henry came down. Firestone, Firestone was with them as well. These robber barons were doing this this road trip around that. Narco Longo's done a video on that. But I've talked about the Henrys of Florida. There's like, I want to say 13 or 14 Henrys. In total, you have Henry Flagler, Henry Ford, Henry B. Plant, Henry... I said Sanford already. Henry Sanf- Sanford, Henry Titus, Henry Clay. You have all these different Henrys in Florida, and if we Probably go, about eight of them, <laughs> no, there's like no, there's like twelve or thirteen. I don't have I have the names written down somewhere, but the idea that Henry means he who rules in a line. Well, what, what were all these guys? They were robber barons. They were train locomotives and if you look at the locomotive it's a sort of alchemical vessels it transforms coal into power right there you have the transmutation of one thing into another and if you look at florida what's florida well people come here to die so they're being transmutated to the next dimension now it is henry he who rules in a line can be kind of sort of tied into king right a person who rules now during and i'm drawing from seshuri's work mark Handprint of Atlas. He talks about how during Atlantean times, a king was an alchemical catalyst, catalyst for his people. Quite literally, like his body, like he would power his people. So it makes sense that the last frontier is Florida, right? And all these Henrys are coming here and they're literally seeding the state into like this sort of almost new Atlantis type of feel to it, right? Like this John D. Rockefeller was... Henry Flag or Henry Henry Flagler was John D. Rockefeller's right hand man. He was like boys with him as well. So you have all these John D. Right? That's, I always say that people are like, oh, what the fuck does it matter? Well, John D. So uh, you have one? <laughs> the, the body of the king serves as it as this alchemical catalyst for the people. Well, if you think about all these boxes in these pyramids and how they would probably lay in there and give up their body like the vamanas were powered by what mm-hmm. the chakras of whoever was powering it so i really the whole henry enigma to that it was like a, you know a homage to the atlantean kings that would power their people and here we have mm-hmm. edison trying to find the elixir of life you have the the fountain of youth they're buying all these springs around florida and all these things you know this, people have talked about this before but these dudes were 100% alchemists. Firestone was trying to grow rubber trees here in Florida. They had they had impl- they had implanted all these trees from around the world trying to do what? Trying to do something. I mean, they're, they're doing something. At, at Ponce de Leon's spot for the Fountain of Eternal Youth, right? Trying to find the, the eternal youth. That's Which, this is where the, Exertus, yeah. hear me out. Hear me out. This is going to sound crazy. And Mark's going to roll his eyes and he's going to be like, what is he doing? I think that Ponce, check it out, hear me out. I think Ponce de Leon was a homunculus. Why do I say this? What what fucking evidence do you have, Juan? Well, if we want to follow alternative history, there's the lure that Christopher Columbus or Crystal Ball Columbus was actually Count of St. Germain, Mark. And we know that Juan Ponce de Leon 
and John D both met Crystal Crystal Ball Columbus. So what is part? How tall was uh, Juan Ponce? Oh, he was like five feet. Okay, they don't know exactly when he was born. Okay, and also, what's part of the homunculus lore? Well, finding treasures, and what was he trying to find? The Fountain of Youth was it was a treasure, a relic of some sort, this weird mystical thing. And also Juan Ponce de Leon, the pounce of the lion. I mean, that's an alchemical, right? The lion, the green lion eating the sun. If that's not alchemical, then I don't know what is. So I think that he was some sort of either homunculus. And if you look at David Miscavige, whatever his name is, the dude's 5'3", bro. Right. Look at Tom Cruise is super short. Kevin Hart is super short. I think that we are being run in this world by homunculus. There, I said it. <laughs> David Miscavige, I'm just going to stand over here just so don't get me in trouble. Sorry. Oh, man. man. No, I was no, listening to the last podcast on the left, and they were talking about Scientology. So, I mean, here's my thought on Ponce de Did you see the new Jungle Cruise movie, Disney's Jungle no, Cruise I movie? Didn't. So Dwayne Johnson, the rock stars as the homunculus then by all accounts, the deal is he's this jungle cruise guide and he takes you to find the, like, is it the gold city or the fountain of youth or this chalice? Is it the, uh, I forget, but once he's down there, you find out he's actually been there for 500 years. He came from Portugal or Spain or something as a, don't ruin the explorer. movie for us. Oh, Exploitation of spoilers. I'm sorry. Spoiler alert. You don't have to put that there. Spoiler alert. Corpse Bride. Um, that's wrong movie. But th- this movie. This is the theme? what? This is the thing. It's actually based on some real people, and I think there's actually some truth to this idea that somebody gets to this immortal place, they become immortal. They don't want to be immortal, and they try to die until someone else can take away the curse from them. Right, that's the. So they pass it on to the person that takes it away from them. They it should be them. like in Indiana Jones. Like Indiana Jones should be stuck there, like with the cup. That's the way it should have worked, basically. Yeah, he passes it on to the next person that that helps them get rid of it. So it's like, here, you take this curse, and I'm yeah. out. Yeah, but You're also part of alchemy is that when you create the magnum opus, you are able to live forever. You're able to step outside of space and time. So it's like the light from this thing happening transforms your DNA. You turn to a, a, what Jay Widener calls a homo luminous. So like this next evolutionary step of mankind that they're trying to stop us from. I mean, they're that makes to- a lot of sense with the Veda, right? Like the gods have these homunculus, which are the populations that then when they die, their whole soul and collective experiences go back to the top experience, which is why also it doesn't matter if you remember anything because you're just a vessel for the experiences for the main Ooh. process. Damn. We are all homunculus. Bro, I think that's <laughs> going to be the title of the episode. We are all. Now, now I saw Mark Smirk. There is Mark Smirk. There it was. <laughs> no, I had to we sneeze. Are. I had to sneeze. That wasn't. Uh... He's like, not me. I'm not a homunculus. No, he's a Nephilim. He's like 13 foot tall. You have red hair too, Mark? All right. Yeah, dude, you're. Hold on. Hold on. I'm going to hit the button, dude. Illuminati confirmed. <laughs> what the fuck? I have a red beard. <laughs> red beard, not hair. I have I have little red hairs too. Um. So what I was gonna pull up, I was gonna pull up the video of me in Old World Florida at the Flagler Mansion that we took. 
I took a video of him and he, the, 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 one of the biggest trees, I think it's a, I want to say it's a K-pop tree. I want to say. Baobab. So, so. It's a Baobab tree. So it's a giant K-pop. Yeah. K-pop tree next to the white hall. So here I am recording with. K-pop tree. I saw yeah, a different giant. post about Baobab trees. <laughs> Which are from Africa, and mysteriously, there are a few of them in Florida that are really old. So they they wonder how the, they got there. This is the oldest house in Florida, I think it was, or something like that, or in this county, or in Palm Beach, maybe. Could be wrong on that. How old? I forgot. I we went up to it and I look, we looked at it, but I didn't record anything. So this is the tree. It's giant when you when you stand Growing next to over it. Over the fence. No, you can't go over the fence. They put up a fence here. Yeah, but yeah, it's, no, yeah, no, it grew it's over growing it. yeah. over the fence. Wow. This it's thing is incorporated the fence. How old is that fence? How long did it take for that root to just absorb the whole fence like that? Jeez. I think they might have built around it, Mark. I'm not sure. Maybe I got another oh, angle. Maybe, I don't yeah, know if... maybe the fence goes like right up to it. Wow. Who knows? I mean, These people started the fence. Wow, look at that superstar. I <laughs> am. <laughs> He gets it. He's a, he's he's Mr. Hollywood, Florida down there, dude. Yeah, he's a celebrity. He's 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 a he's a he's a eccentric guy. I mean, he's he's no, I love, love Narco. I love Narco. He's yeah, great. dude, Narco Narco's great. So yeah, we 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 went there, and there's something again about that place, and also I forgot where it was that. I think hold on, let me look this up. I think Henry Ford's soul is in some jar or something like that. <laughs> so Henry yeah. yes go on Tell me more. Yeah. Too. oh so he moved to west palm beach henry ford became a, a believer of reincarnation a believer is, is he also like is that something to do with justin bieber why'd you say believer i'm just being stupid so <laughs> collection unofficially known as henry ford tributes da, 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 so the wall hanging what he had this wall is this his what is, is this it a duck i don't even tell oh i don't even God. know it's a obelisk with three pyramids some eye looking thing and then it's this a, a sphinx wearing a gas mask i don't even i can't tell what's going on <laughs> so i could have swore i read somewhere where they have his soul in in a little jar somewhere in florida where he died but I'll have to look into that. Is that like a colloquialism for flatulence? Or are we talking like his geist from some <laughs> sort of alchemical ritual? I, who knows? I mean, I think that these dudes were able to tap into some sort of reincarnation. So he That's did the thing. Interview. They were so into magic, you know? So he did an interview. So he, um, and I can't. This is not a Wikipedia. But an interview appeared in San Francisco Examiner 26 in 1928. It says, I adopted the theory of reincarnation when I was 26. Religion offered mm. nothing to the point even work could not give me complete satisfaction. Work is futile. We cannot utilize the experience we collect in one, in one life in the next. When I discovered reincarnation, it was as if I found universal plan. I realized that there was a chance to work out my ideas. Time was no longer limited. Yikes. That sounds really weird. I was no longer a slave to the hands of the clock. Genius Why? is experience. What? First I mean, of all, dude, read this with some gusto. There's people listening. Second of all, <coughs> what's wrong with that? A man, a man comes to the conclusion that his life is not as futile as he may have thought because of the world no, view he one was of, given. 
one of the most wealthiest people. They're probably hiding some sort of secret from the masses. Uh, I mean, yeah, some skeleton key thing where they can body uh, leave generation after why the, uh, next, right? I guess in context of who Ford is, it's not exactly. The fact that he starts by saying work is there, or he doesn't start, but he brings up work is the main reason. It seems to me that he believes in this because he's discovered some sort of mechanism for yes. producing the next altered carbon. So genius. John Malkovich, right? Yeah. Genius is experience. Some seem to think that it is a gift or talent, but it is the fruit of long experience in many lives. Some are older, older souls than others. And so they know more. The discovery of reincarnation put my mind at ease. If you preserve a record of this conversation, write it so that it puts men's minds at ease. I would like to communicate to others the calmness that the long view of life gives us. Yeah. Interesting. Hmm. Yeah, huh. that's just like he discovered Buddhism. You know, like I feel like that's pretty zen uh, for someone like Ford to come to the conclusion. Obviously, he probably didn't implement that much. I heard he created some kind of slave colony in, in uh, South America. You ever heard of Fordlandia? Right. No, I've never heard of that. Yeah. Yeah. He was trying to get in on the Banana Republic experience, but he also was doing that kind of an Orwellian, um, or no, Robert Owen, Owenism. Owen is, he was trying to do a social corporate estate where everyone was taken care of and they didn't need to own anything because if they own things, they'd spend it on alcohol probably anyway. And he didn't trust people to make their own decisions. He's like, if they could make their own decisions, they should be out making their own decisions. Maybe the first time around as a human or something, they need to be controlled by me. And that's, that's kind of what a lot of these social dictators do. Yeah, I'm, I'm just thinking about, I mean, again, this dude was, I don't know, man. Does this, does this look like a face to you of a, of a lizard person? Definitely. But also the idea that the world changed around him. Have you ever seen his car, the Edsel? I think I have. So the idea that he had built this giant empire and then somehow in the 60s he'd upset enough people that maybe there's a space-time war that excludes or includes him, that things have changed, and that that's why the Mandala effect with the, the Ford Fjord Fjord logo is one of the first Mandala effects of the 60s and 70s when they built their first linear accelerators in the United States in order to, uh, you know, shift things. So I feel like he might have gotten the short end of a stick, you know, for that reason. And he does get a lot of criticism from the elite. The elite seem to take all of his ideas, use everything he says, and then sort of, you know, lambast him for being terrible. 800 or 900 bucks was the first, though, though the car came as a two-seater runabout for 800 and 900. All oh, the $900 four-seater. Right. Oh. I mean, these were, originally he bought factories to produce, uh, built the paint get the rubber, produce all the things themselves so they would all have one possible black. He wanted the entire world to, to drive a black Model T, not to paint in different colors, just have all black Model Ts. Uniformity, wow. you know. And then the iPhone is like that, right? Uniformity. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, boys, we're almost at the two-hour mark, I think. Mm. You guys want to... Any concluding thoughts, Exertus or Mark, you guys want to throw in there while we... Wrap this up. Are we making each other into homunculi by impacting the universe with our culture? Mm. Memes. 
Memetics, right? Memetics, the spread of ideas. And yeah, I think so. I think, I think, yeah, I consider myself an alchemist. We're transmuting the ideas of people real time and, and people are having connections. I mean, you made me have connections on there that I, I wouldn't have otherwise had if it wasn't for this conversation, which is the fun part about podcasting and, mm. and, and the curse, right? The, also the curse. Cause you want to keep looking for more and keep going down these rabbit holes. So well, culture is an egregore. So yeah, I guess memes are like it's little tulpas moving around, affecting people in different ways with lives of their own. Hopefully the podcast helps people overstand these things, not understand or, you know, be, be like, you know, succumb to these things. Like that's the goal of talking about this stuff. You know, I'm, I've at least learned a ton from uh, Exertus. Juan, sorry, I can't say the same. You've taught me some, but compared to Exertus... <laughs> so sassy. Compared to Exertus, he is just like the supercomputer. So, but no, I'm just joking with you. This is, I think, really I enjoy, I mean, I didn't talk much this episode, but I enjoy thinking about these ideas. I know you said like, oh, sometimes the pessimism can lead to cynicism. And I've been there before, and ever since I started podcasting, you know, you'd think like the last three or four years would be a time when people could get real cynical. But I think I've I've warmed up. I think it's I've have I have more hope than ever. So although the world seems to be crumbling around us, I think we could use our powers, our powers combined, in that that whole I'm- thing. I'm more and more interested in the alchemy of conversation. I spent the last few weeks not doing shows and kind of like researching inward, going like outside, you know, it's been a while since I've been outside. It's negative 20 degrees in Minnesota. So back in, in California, it, you can go outside. So the more that I spend time thinking about how communication should work and how we can take up these subjects, put them into a certain sort of formula of conversation that allows for each one of us to catalyze new ideas. That's, that seems interesting the same way music is. And I want, I want to develop that more. I think that that's a format that's not just fun to see. It's also really useful for producing um, like a think tank. And I think that's something that people notice. That's why people watch these kinds of shows. So I'm more and more excited by podcasting because it feels productive, but it's, it's not the podcasting. It's just literally we're having these conversations and we're sharing them with a thousand people or thousands of people. Millions of people. Millions. It's going to be with everybody, everybody on the earth. We're going to get there. We're going to get there. Let's plug our stuff. You can find me at the Juan Podcast, at the Juan on Juan Podcast. I know, Mark, you said I say it too fast. The Juan on Juan Podcast.com. All major social media platforms. Mark Exertus, take it away. My family, uh, my family well, thinks you- I'm crazy.com. That's where you can find everything. Make sure you're subscribed on the RSS feeds. And if you're listening to this uh, on my feed, support one, support Exertus. Uh, Exertus, where could they find you? Andreas, www.andreas.me or exertus.com. But Andreas Exertus on Twitter, Andreas Exertus on YouTube. Uh, Like and subscribe and click notifications. And I'll be making videos every day starting again Monday. So we'll get back to what we do. 
Amazing. Thanks for, thanks for watching this show and thanks for being here with our friends and join the discord at tardarynova.com. That way you can also get some of their videos because Juan and Mark's videos automatically just poof, they, just poof they, they, they boost directly to the discord so you can get them whenever they come out. Right. Oh, really? That's cool. Yeah. Got thank robots. It's great. That's dope. Thank you so Dude. much. Well, thank you gentlemen for being here. This was fun. We'll have to do it again very soon. And... As always, everyone, see you on the other side. Hello to Mark's people. Hello to Exertus people. And catch you guys. Hasta la vista, baby. All right. And that was our conversation with Juan Ayala and Andreas Exertus. Of course, Juan is the host of the One on One podcast. Him and I have done a ton of bonus content together. So go and support him on his Patreon and me on my Patreon, Rockfin or Substack. Take your pick. I'm going to be putting all of the content from here on out on all three platforms. Apparently, there are bonus RSS feeds that you can get out of Rockfin. So if you're a Rockfin subscriber, I guess the way it works is there's some sort of RSS feed that you pull from the Rockfin profile and you can get all of the audio content that I post to Rockfin. So I might be doing that moving forward. It just depends on how easy that is. So if you have Rockfin and you know how to get that RSS feed and it works, just give me a heads up, send me a message. Uh, otherwise, I'm going to try to figure it out. And yeah, those are the three primary ways to support the show. If you like crystals, if you like jewelry, I am an artist, a wire wrapper, and I've wrapped uh, a bunch of great gems uh, in my day. I've been doing this for uh, longer than I've been podcasting. And now that I have uh, some like-minded folks, I figured, oh, why don't I sell all these uh, pendants? You know, they deserve to be uh, in good hands rather than just on my desk right because i love them i'll appreciate them uh, as long as i own them but it, they're meant to be passed on so if you'd like uh to really support the show in a very special way sort of unique merch one of a kind each handcrafted by yours truly go over to the co slash fi store uh, the link is in the description that's ko-fi.com slash my family thinks i'm crazy and uh, we have a bunch of really great stuff there. You can buy a sticker. You can buy one of my wire wraps. You can even pick up copies of the scene edition one and two, as well as my little booklet on bibliomancy. Um, and then, of course, you can sign up for the Synchro Wisdom Dialogue there. That is how you get on the show with me. If you have some things you want to share, you have questions you'd like to ask me or maybe advice to start your own podcast i've successfully launched this podcast and in less than two years we've reached a million downloads now we're way past a million downloads so uh i can't thank all of you enough really appreciate everyone that tunes into this show i know this is a swap cast not exactly a official my family thinks i'm crazy episode but either way i appreciate everybody who tunes in uh, and supports myself and my friends. If you want to learn more about the people I know and podcast with, I have a podcast website dedicated to that. It's called Alt Media United. It's a podcast cooperative that's free to join and free to use. Just go there, check out 
all the podcasts that we're united with. There are dozens of them there and uh, a lot of great content. So if you're you know, listening to all of my podcasts and you're like, yeah, I need some more podcasts in my week, go and check out altmediaunited.com. There's a bunch of great podcasters there. And of course, support us on Twitter, Instagram. Just follow, subscribe, like all that good stuff give us a five-star rating and review if you listen to the show on an app that lets you do that whether it's apple or podcast addict i'm going to go in and read some more reviews in the next episode coming out this friday that's right we're putting out another friday episode this one's coming out on a wednesday uh, and this is a very very special month we have some titanic guests this week i mean it and this month, it's just a killer lineup. I mean, so, so incredible. Uh, the people that I've been interviewing, some new to the show, some returning champions. So either way, uh, folks, buckle up and sign up on the Patreon, the Substack, or the Rockfin to get all of those right now. That's right. I'm going to be uploading these episodes throughout the week uh, to the Patreon to the Rockfin and to the Substack, a bunch of them are already on Rockfin just because it's uh, quicker for me to put the videos on Rockfin. They're a little bit raw compared to the podcast. You know, I, I put most of my editing effort into the audio side of things, and <laughs> I hope that doesn't sound bad because I know some episodes, the audio can be really cruddy. Uh, I, I remember... Um, a time where my roadcaster actually busted i didn't realize it and a few episodes were like really really bad um for example like right around episode 200 uh, on episode one well i don't want to say which episodes they were because i did do uh i did do a fair amount of editing so hopefully you can't tell but yeah there was a rough patch there where <laughs> You know, I had to learn a few things about what good audio sounds like. And uh, shout out to the people who have reached out in the past and uh, helped me with that. There's a ton of people, actually, one or two that come to mind. Um, but anyways, enough about that inside baseball stuff. Shout out to today's guest, Exertus. Of course, you can find him on YouTube. And my buddy Juan and I... We're going to be doing more bonus content together on a Patreon. I don't know, you know, what it's going to be yet quite exactly, the theme of the show or the name. Uh, it's not going to be the same thing as Illuminati confirmed, unfortunately. Uh, maybe one day that'll come back, but I think it's fine on hiatus for now. Uh, I've got your handbook for the apocalypse that I do with Michael Wan on his podcast feed, Susquehanna Alchemy, and of course, Esoteric America which you can listen to on YouTube, watch along, uh, Rockfin, you get the show early. And of course, there is an audio feed for that as well. So if you're on the road, you're a delivery driver or something, you can't watch things on YouTube, no big deal. We have the audio episodes available as well. So anyways, that's about it. Another long-winded outro. Before I go, I want to give a big shout out to the Hit Kit, our friends at the Hit Kit. Be sure to use the promo code CRAZY at checkout. Uh, somebody recently bought the Hermes Trismegistus designed hit kit and uh, 
didn't use that promo code but we reckon that you heard me talking about it otherwise it was just a coincidence either way get yourself a hit kit or get one for a friend you know that not only is it a really cool tool to keep your smokables safe get your lighter right there you'll never lose it again uh, but you can get all kinds of cool designs and maybe even enlighten your friends right this is a gift that keeps on giving uh, it's a conversation starter there's a little qr code on the hermes trismegistus design and when you scan that with your phone it opens up the seven hermetic laws uh, the emerald tablets of hermes Toth Trismegistus. So, yeah, cool conversation starter. Good way to, uh, you know, show off your interests if you want to find like minded friends, you know. Why not pick up a hit kit? Get one for a friend. Anyways, that does it for today's episode. Thank you for tuning in, folks, and enjoy the moment wherever you are in the now. Broadcasting the moon matrix from the lunar surface They want you confused like you never knew your purpose Hopping through the portals, dismantling the machine My family thinks I'm crazy, I can't believe what I've seen Memories of a war, the Pleiadians and Anunnaki Stuck within the genes of a copy of a human body DNA fractal, the universe within me Epiphanies of science is hoarded by the Illuminati Puppet masters know the power of the mantra Repeating mad lies till it has an effect on ya Subliminal messages hijack your perception Tricking the population with holographic projections We see through it the system is unraveling I'm astral traveling Through the library of the Vatican On a sacred journey I embark with the squad Forever spitting truth Like Mark on the pod Gotta know the facts Never hold back Cause I ain't getting caught up In the soul trap I dissect the fabric of reality Looking for the answers Searching through the galaxy You might be feeling stressed out Depression, anxiety is no measure of health to be well adjusted to a sick society You don't even know how powerful you are We the ones who gonna expose the whole facade I awoke in a deep underground military base Zero recollection of how I got to this place Alien corpses floating in glass cylinders Must have been extracted when they crashed into us Animal hybrids contained in the cages a lion with the eagle head Monkeys with reptilian faces Losing my mind and I'm feeling desperate I look around the room and I see no sign of an exit All of a sudden the wall flickers away Revealing a hangar full of spacecraft My getaway I run to the nearest one See a guard knock him out Robbing for his plasma gun Hop in the ship Take the controls They highly intuitive I figure it out easily Lift off Accelerate through a tunnel Until I see the light Fly into the sky Get flung by six F-35 Gotta know the facts, never hold back Cause I ain't getting caught up in the soul trap I dissect the fabric of reality Looking for the answers Searching through the galaxy You might be feeling stressed out Depression, anxiety is no measure of health To be well adjusted to a sick society You don't even know how powerful you are We the ones who gonna expose the whole facade